Welcome to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Listen to in-depth discussions about different legal fields and hear insights and lessons learned from practitioners across our enterprise. Chapter 34, a conversation with Captain Lauren Eskridge. I'm Lieutenant Commander Marin Kaiser from OJAG Code 67. I am pleased to introduce Captain Lauren Eskridge, Fleet Judge Advocate at Naval Surface Forces Atlantic and a leader in the JAG community. Thank you very much for joining me today, ma'am. Let's kick things off with our first question. Um, for any listeners who have not worked with you, can you please tell us about yourself to include where you're from, where, you're, where you have been, and a little bit more about what your current assignment entails? Thank you, Marin. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here today. And um, I, you know, I, I go way back with you um, to uh, when you were in Gulfport. And yes, ma'am. That's also where I started out with my Navy JAG career. Um, but right now, um, since then, I've made it all the way to be the force judge advocate at Surflant in Norfolk, Virginia, which in a way is kind of like coming home for me because I actually grew up in the Virginia Beach area. But uh, it's also very strange for me because my family's no longer here. So um, it's just kind of another assignment, but it's it's uh, it's a great assignment that I'm, I'm thrilled to have and uh, will miss when I eventually uh, move on. But... Since then, in between Gulfport and uh, in Norfolk, it's been almost 21 years. Um, it's it's been uh, a fantastic and kind of crazy ride for me. In that 20 years, I think I've been to um, I've had at least 12 assignments. I feel like I've lived all over the place, moved um, pretty constantly. I've been in D.C. Uh, twice and uh, been in the front office twice. I've been to Hawaii, which was fantastic. Pensacola, loved that. Um, I've been on a carrier strike group staff, uh, which included deploying to the Arabian Gulf. That was uh, an experience like no other one of my favorite tours. And uh, then I've also actually gotten to deploy to Afghanistan like like many other Navy JAGs, and that, that was really something very different for me too. But o- overall, um, the Navy has taken me to some really uh, strange places. Um, you know, Gulfport is um, not what I wanted when I came in. It's not what I asked for, but I'm actually really grateful that I got to go there because it turned out to be a great experience and it put me on a path uh, to where I am now um, with with the stops and all the places I already mentioned, but also uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that because of the Navy JAG Corps, I got to go to Bangladesh uh, three times um, and also to Sri Lanka and to some other really, really strange places like that. And wow. then now here I am full circle back in Virginia. So. <laughs> That's awesome. What a broad range of diverse and exciting experiences. One of the goals of the Women's Leadership Symposium is to understand the barriers to female officer retention. Um, so on that note, ma'am, have you ever seriously considered getting out of the JAG Corps? If so, why? And what changed your mind? Um, actually, Mary and I have... And I'm not at all shy to talk about it, which um, 
is not how it always was for uh, JAGs. Maybe it's more common now, but but back when I was a lieutenant, it was kind of um, kind of verboten to talk about wanting to get out. Like you didn't tell anybody except maybe your most trusted confidants that you were planning to get out of the JAG Corps or thinking about getting out of the JAG Corps until you were putting in your letter of resignation. And it was this perception that if you did so, um, you would be seen as disloyal and you wouldn't get promoted or you wouldn't get other uh, maybe favorable detailing assignments. Even though you really hadn't made up your mind, it was going to be held against you in some way. And I just remember that was kind of the mis- this um, mystique of, of sorts about, you know, shielding your, your doubts or your intentions about what your future in the JAG Corps was. And and I, I just distinctly remember that. And But yet I was having some of those feelings, too. And I was a junior lieutenant commander. I had come back from... Afghanistan. I had a TSSCI clearance. I had made all these fantastic um, contacts with other um, government agencies that did counterterrorism work, did counterintelligence work, and I was really excited about continuing on with, with uh, counterterrorism because we all had that kind of bug to uh, prosecute detainees and or prosecute the war in, war in terrorism. And um, I just really was interested in that area, and I felt like in the Navy JAG Corps, I was going to be pulled away from that and have to go do, uh, you know, constantly be moving around, constantly be changing jobs. And I really just wanted kind of focus in one area. Um, and on top of that, I felt like I was sacrificing my, my personal relationships and developing any chances or foregoing any chance of developing a, um, a real meaningful relationship and having a family if, if, if that's what worked out. And, and I just felt like maybe getting out of the Navy JAG Corps was the right thing to do. So um, I'd come back from, from Afghanistan, and I was, I was working in OJAG, and I was having these thoughts, and I, was, um, I negotiated for some fantastic orders to fit the fleet, and I got those orders, and then I, uh, I'd, I turned them down, and I let it be known to my chain of command that I, that I was thinking about getting out. And they're like, okay, you know, we, I had these senior mentors who, who talked to me about this, and they said, um, you know, Lauren, we don't want you to get out, but we're here to support you with whatever you want to do. And if you need a letter of recommendation to do what you want to do, we can help you with that. And I was, I was very appreciative um, of that because some of these folks who came forward to me were not very well known to me, and mm-hmm. I didn't know uh, that they were looking out for me, but they were. So I hadn't put in my resignation letter yet, but I um, I had turned down these orders, and then I went to uh, TAP class, as, as it was called then, transition assistance. And as I'm sitting through this week-long class, I had this, like, huge uh, gut check, uh, if you will, about what it is I was trying to accomplish and why it was I wanted to get out and what I would gain an experience if I did, in fact, go to one of these other government jobs in D.C. And I, I, had, a, I had an offer in hand. Um, it was a great offer, and I, but I had this gut check, and I thought about uh, all these folks who had come forward to support me through that process. And I thought, you know, that's what I'll miss. Uh, if I get out. 
And so I just felt like I it was the wrong move to get out. And I thought, well, why haven't I submitted my resignation letter? And that made me just think, well, maybe I really, really didn't want to get out. So, so the, I went... The people, ma'am? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I'm kind of rambling here, but... Um, oh, no. <laughs> it's. Uh, I still remember it very vividly. And I. It, it was really those people that I knew I would miss and those relationships and the small worldness of it all, knowing that no matter where I went in the world, I would either know somebody... Not necessarily a JAG, but but somebody in the Navy. I would I would know them, or I would know someone who who knew them, and that that support net, network was going to be incredible, and that I could always still go do that other government work later after I retired. Um, but for now, what I really wanted was to stay in, and it was because of the people, and they didn't treat me like I was disloyal, and they didn't hold it against me, and they supported me, and then I still got another set of good orders after that, and and it's just been fantastic. I've never uh, regretted that decision since. Well, thank you so much for sharing, ma'am. I'm sure that many of our listeners have had similar, uh, may have had similar feelings, experiences, and, and concerns, and I, I hope that um, if they were able to talk about it with their leadership, that they also uh, received support. Um, and, you know, if, if anyone listening um, is, is thinking about it and would like to talk to their leadership or, or peers, I hope they would now feel more comfortable doing so. So thank you again so much for sharing that with us. So as um, as sort of a related follow-on question, um, why have you stayed in the JAG Corps for as long as you have? You know, it, it's uh, it's been really fun, and 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 the people, like I, I mentioned before, those two things combined, it's it's always challenging. There's always something new. It's it's not the same old thing day after day, and and the people are not the same day after day. And even if you're working with the same group of people on day one, and two years later you're with that same group, the change that they've gone through and the change that I've gone through as we grow and develop together is, is really fascinating for me um, to watch and experience. And I love that aspect of teamwork and trying to become better together to support the mission. And it's, I'm just so proud of what of what they do and, you know, of what all all of us JAGs are doing in the military. It's um, I think it's a fantastic profession, and at night you can go home and and sleep well, knowing that you are part of, you know, our nation's defense and everything that goes along with that, and being a public servant. And I'll tell you that you know my I have four-year-old twins, and they don't really understand what I do right now. They don't really get what a lawyer is. I can't say I'm a fireman and I put out fires. They don't. They don't really get what going to work is and right. sitting at a desk and what does a lawyer do. I just. I just say something vague like I help put away bad guys, which is very vague because I don't prosecute whatsoever. Um, uh, and and the bad guys could be a, a lot of different people, but. It, but my boys are picking up on these things, and that public service is good. And you know, they hear the national anthem, and they know to put their hand over their heart and to stand still, <laughs> and wonderful. and just to you know show some respect. And it, it's pretty cute to see, and it makes me proud. 
That's awesome. I, I absolutely agree um, with with all of the sentiments that you expressed, ma'am. And uh, so speaking of teamwork and leadership, uh, could you tell us perhaps two to three leadership principles that you live by? Absolutely. Um, you know, nothing I'm going to say is, is particularly profound or hasn't been said by somebody in a better way before me. And, you know, I, I learned from them and, and my mentors and other, other leaders. But this is the stuff, you know, we all know these things, but this is what I personally use and and it, it works for me and I, I feel like it's, it's part of who, who I am and my approach. But like I said, it's, it's, it's nothing new, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Uh, exercising a lot of these things can be quite a challenge. But, um, you know, you always hear about taking care of the whole person and looking out for your team members. And, you know, what does that really mean? And it means different things, I think, to different people. But for me, it means that not only for yourself, but for the people that uh, work for you or with you, that you're making sure that self-care is a part of the program and not just on their own time, but at work. And, and by self-care, I mean you're, you're taking your, some time dedicated to do whatever it is you need to do to de-stress. And that could be um, a lot, you know, whatever works for you. Um, and then also part of that and, and taking care of the whole person is making sure that they can see to their family obligations, especially shore duty. Um, this is the time where if, if they've got, whether it's kids, aging parents, or close friends, or their, you know, their dog is sick or whatever, that... You know, these things are important to us as people, and we need the time to go address these things. And so I want the folks who work for me to feel comfortable saying, hey, I need to go do this, or uh, my kid's having a pageant at school. Is it okay if I go do that? And I'm going to say, absolutely, and, you know, have fun. I'm so so glad that you brought that up because there, there's only one first day of school only, you know, one pageant, you know, that year for that kid. And, and folks need to be able to go support those events if the mission uh, permits them to. So we try to cover down for each other. And it's one person's event this week. It's another person's event the next week. And, and we work together to to cover down so everyone can attend to those things that they need to. And and some of them are, are fun events, like those pageants and first day schools, and sometimes there are things that aren't fun, <clears throat> like your kid's doctor's appointments or your, your your dog's vet appointment and or getting your oil changed. And these are just things we all have to deal with, like part of life maintenance. And I, and I think if you don't deal with them and they fester, they're distractors, and you can't perform as well at work or at home if these things are distracting you. So you got to take the time off to do that and you know schedule your PT. I think that's super important to to get out there and work out. So those things to me are are part of taking care of the whole person and looking out for your your team members. And and it also goes up, not just down or with your colleagues, but making sure your your boss gets a chance to do that and enabling them to have the time to do that um, and take things off their plate so they can go deal with those things and just everybody looking out for each other. 
so that that's a long way of explaining my first one. Um, the the other one I would say is you, you got to ask for whatever it is that you need or you want when you when you show up in a new job. If you have something that you need your your shipmates, your teammates, your boss to support you on, you got to ask for it. Tell them how they can support you. And you have to ask for it when it comes to opportunities. Don't be self-limiting. When you're asking for a job, don't limit yourself. Don't think, well, I'm not, I may not be qualified, uh, or I don't know if we, if the command has enough money to support that, or or whatever it is. Ask for it, because if you don't ask for it, the answer is no. I mean, that's like super obvious, but. You know, if you don't put in for the opportunity, then you obviously won't get it. So reach for it, go outside your comfort zone, um, and just ask for those things. Um, and chances are, you know, you will get it. Maybe not the first time, but you'll get it another time. Uh, but you can't – no one can support you in those events if they don't know that that's what you want or need at that time. Um, kind of related to that, um, or maybe tangential from that, I would say that for the SJAs who are out there, ask for a seat at the table, you know, worm your way in, whatever it is, get a seat at the table, invite yourself to the meetings, invite yourself to the boss's meetings. For example, if there's a daily stand-up that your admiral has or, or however frequently it is, you need to be there next to the flag aide, the flag lieutenant, the chief of staff, even though you don't have anything maybe to pass, maybe you don't have an issue you're working that day you need to talk about, you're there to be seen, um, to demonstrate your relevance, to earn credibility, to get access to the information you need to support the mission. And I, I can't emphasize enough how important I think that is for SGAs to to be there, even if, if they don't really necessarily have something to say. Everybody gets used to seeing you there, and it becomes an opportunity to pass information. And it it shows also that you're a team player, and I just think that's, that's really important. Those are all really um, outstanding and incredibly valuable principles and, and guidance. So thank you so much for sharing those, ma'am. Our community very much values professional development. What do you do to ensure your own continued development, both as an attorney and as a leader? Well, first of all, I read a lot of books. Pretty much any chance I get to constantly, uh, it's an escape for me when I'm not at work. And But the thing is, is I don't have time to read hard print books because I've got kids. And <laughs> when they're awake, I can't read. And when they've gone to bed, I'm exhausted and I will fall asleep within five minutes of trying to read something in print. So what I discovered some years ago was to rely on, on audiobooks. And the Navy MWR program has a free library of audiobooks, and I go to that constantly and download things, and I think you get like 20, 21 days or so. It's totally free, and obviously CNO's professional reading list is going to be in there, which is fantastic, but it also has tons of fiction um, stuff too. 
so I, I do alternate. I'm not strictly professional development reading all the time. I, I admit I read a lot of fiction, too. Um, I, I listen to books on in the car on the way to and from work. I do it while I'm working out. I do it while I'm doing chores or yard work, um, you know, as long as my kids aren't aren't right there. And I just get as much as I can in there. So I actually don't mind driving by myself because it gives me a chance to, to read some books. Um, and I used to hate the self-help books or professional development rings. I thought they were just incredibly boring and how do you get through them. But, but when you're listening to them, it's really not as bad because you can, you can be doing something else and, and you're not just sitting there looking at a book. You can be, um, you know, weeding a flower bed, but listening to, um, you know, Admiral McRaven uh, talk about leadership points. So that, that's pretty cool. So I do that a lot, um, and like I said, I also throw in some fun reading with that. Um, that That's probably one of the biggest things I do. Uh, another thing that I do is I seek out courses and training. I love to be a captive audience and sit there in a, in a classroom or seminar room and just absorb and be able to, to um, ask questions, but really just kind of be spoon-fed a lot of, of reading and have the discussions and the seminars and, and really get into it. And then when I find something really impactful, I come back and I, I just tell everybody about it because I, I just get really juiced up on on all the concepts that they put forward in uh, these courses. And I don't wait for someone to invite me. I actually ask a lot if I can go to the training. I look for the opportunities and I I say, how can I go to that? Um, am I allowed to go? Is that just for you know this group of pers- people, or, or can I go? So, uh, you know, ask not, receive not. Just a couple weeks ago, I went to the Navy Senior Leader Seminar in Monterey. So Monterey for two weeks, which is pretty awesome. But this course is for 05s, 06s, GS-15s. Um, so I realize not for for junior officers, but it was something that isn't well advertised, um, especially like amongst the JAG Corps. But I got to go through my command at Surflant because I found out about it. I, I was like, "Can I go to that? I'm a JAG. I'm not a I'm not a SWO." And they're like, uh, "Sure." And and it turns out their their quotas, um, but they don't all get used. And and so it it was just really easy to to get a quota and go to that. My command just had to pay the TDY. But if I hadn't gone looking for it, I wouldn't have gotten to go. So I'm just trying to emphasize that you got to look for the opportunities and ask for them, and, and not just in the traditional JAG channels with the training advisories. There are so many other resources out there for things to do. And um, there's a company that the Navy's using now uh, through their civilian HR channels. It's kind of, I don't want to say it's targeted to civilian employees, but they're the ones I think you take advantage of it most. And they're, they're using a company that presents all sorts of different courses. And I went and looked at their catalog and, and found one that I wanted to take there that was on conflict management skills. And, and so I asked to go to that. And it was, I don't know, 50 or or $100. It was easy for the command to absorb. It was a one-day thing, and I got to just sit there and, and really work on, on those types of skills. So I think seeking those opportunities is really important. It's something I really like to do. Um, and so I'd recommend that to everyone. And then finally, what I do more on the 
legal professional development side is I work with my team here at Surfland, and we have a weekly staff meeting. And at the end of every weekly staff meeting, we have a training module. And it, it's um, something that we create the syllabus for. I have a training officer, uh, my lieutenant, and she she plans it, executes it, and we just provide some input, and then we receive the benefit of it. And the idea of that training plan is that some days we'll have a legal topic, and sometimes it's it's something that we know a lot about, um, but maybe everyone in the room on the team doesn't know a lot about, or some, maybe it's something I don't know anything about, but I want to learn. So I grab the topic, and I and I learn it, and then I present it. You know, learn by doing and teaching kind of philosophy. And and then other weeks, we'll bring in outside presenters, maybe another uh, division from Surflint to come teach us about how their office is structured and what it is that they do. Or we'll have our CMC come in and talk to us about enlisted leader development, so more Navy professional topics and things to help us understand new changes and all the the different programs that are happening. And then sometimes we have fun topics, which, uh, you know, is just a good way to hone your, your public speaking skills and try and teach something to others. So that that's something that we do as a team with the weekly, weekly training that I think has been a lot of fun and very effective and adds a lot of variety and opportunities to stay abreast of, of changes, whether it's legal policy, Navy policy, or um, what it is that other folks at Surfland are doing on a daily basis. And by understanding what they do on a daily basis, I can do my job better and support the mission better. So I think that kind of formal training plan has been um, really helpful and something I would recommend to to anyone out there. Ma'am, that's great advice and, and what a great best practice. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Moving on to um, to a sort of related question to um, a couple of things that you've alluded to earlier, um, you're obviously very busy, um, both uh, at work and with family. So how have you managed to juggle competing personal and professional demands on your time, and how do you cope with stress, um, both personal or professional pressure uh, that you experience? <laughs> that's that's like the the such a huge question and it's uh, it's tough and and so I think that's that's the point is that um, there's pressure it's stressful and it's tough um, and what I if, if I'm kind of having a pity party <laughs> I try to remember that there are is as hard as things may feel in a moment. Uh, there are young sailors out there who have it harder, and you know they have it tougher. And so I try to add some perspective to whatever it is that that I'm feeling, in case you know maybe I'm I'm like overreacting or um, you know just feeling sorry for myself. I'm like, okay, let's talk about like the, the positive and all the good things that are going on. And just kind of appreciating what you have and, and you know, looking for um, a way out of, of that stress. Um, 
you know, and, and one way I do that is I I talk to people about what whatever it is that's causing that stress and and seek some kind of help or discussion or collaboration. For me, just voicing my uh, whatever it is I'm struggling with, I often come to my uh, resolution just by articulating it. And especially if I'm having a hard time making a decision, talking about it helps me out quite a bit and just articulating it. Um, but kind of more like in a concrete side, some things that I've adopted over time based off of the advice of some very smart female Navy Jags who are out there um, that I appreciate very much. They give me some great advice over the years. One of those things that I got uh, was actually from retired Captain Jill Morrison, who also had twins. But this is not about having twins. This is about taking care of yourself, um, back to self-care. But she told me back when uh, my twins were still infants and my husband had transferred, he's, we're dual mill, he had transferred from D.C. to Norfolk, and so I was still at the Pentagon. Um, and just, I was making it work. I was doing the daycare drive to CDC from home every morning, every day, and I, I was surviving. And that was that was my mental state was, I'm surviving, I can do this. And every day it was just kind of, it was like Groundhog's Day, you're just doing the same thing over and over again, and you're exhausted. Um, what she told me was, uh, okay, you're insane, and you don't have to just survive. Go get a babysitter. And, you know, there's some there's some guilt that, that came with that for me. You, you know, whether you mind spending the money or not, the idea that, you know, you have these these little, you know, little baby, and you're going to give up some of that time with them in order to go do something for yourself seems really selfish. But... Actually, it's not. I mean, there's guilt with that, but you got to forget that because um, it's not – don't focus on the, the guilt of, of paying a stranger to, to watch your kids. Instead, think about what you're going to gain from that time to go do something that you need to do. And whether it's um, going to run some errands, which is really important to me to feel like I, I was um, – you know, keeping my head above water, be able to go to the grocery store or, you know, go run some other errands, go to the post office or go get a workout, um, go for a run and not worry about a jogging stroller um, or, you know, diapers, you know, or, or snacks while you're out, whatever it is. You know, just escape and, and do those things is really important. So I think that we all need that self-care there and so even if you have to pay somebody to be a babysitter or pay somebody to be uh, to clean your house for you or to cut the yard I think that's all great advice um, and actually it was a J.O. who who told me to hire a housekeeper and that um, was then a lieutenant Hannah Eves and I was just like alright that's what I'm going to do <laughs> I'd rather pay somebody to clean my toilet uh, so I can spend time with my family and then that way I'm less less stressed out and I'm going to be better with my kids better with my spouse better at work and it would just all work out because I took care of myself I can better take care of them Thank you so much for sharing your experience and perspectives with us and allowing us to get to know you better. Um, it's truly an honor to interview you and learn more about your accomplished career, which I know will provide inspiration for so many of our JAG community listeners. 
You have been listening to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Visit jag.navy.mil for additional chapters of this podcast series. Thank you for tuning in. 